Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. Hello, I am Deb Cobiello, founder of the Drop-In CEO Podcast, and I am so grateful you've joined us for another amazing episode where I get to speak to amazing leaders who may inspire you and also share many, many insights with you. And if you love this podcast, and I know you will, we would love you to subscribe, rate, review, tell others so we can continue to bring you great programming. And on a personal note, just know that we put this content out to you because I sincerely care about helping the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate your careers with confidence. And today I am so excited to share the mic with my amazing guest, Giovanna Arias. She is a strategy and operations leader who has successfully spearheaded many impactful implementation projects throughout her career. She's brought visionary change to organizations in different sectors from Fortune 500 companies to private sectors and the U.S. federal government. And, and we're going to get into this, she attributes her drive and success to her upbringing and desire for positive change. And her resume goes on and on, but I'm going to give her the platform. Giovanna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Deb. Thanks for having me. So to my network, and first of all, Giovanna, thank you so much. This is going to be so great and inspiring. For my community out there, I want you to listen intently. This is a person, Giovanna, who I found through the beauty of networking and saying, tell me what works well in your career, what have been the challenges so that I could inspire you. And then I said, oh my, <laughs> I cannot tell her story myself. She has to tell it herself. So we invited her on to the show. I am grateful to have you share your journey as well as the insights for future leaders so they can be inspired. But please share a bit about yourself personally and your journey to the work that you're doing now. Absolutely. So, you know, in reference to business journey, there's definitely been ebbs and flows. It hasn't been a, an easy ramp up, right? And so I found that my instinct or, or my personality, I'm just very curious. So being curious by nature has helped me in, in everything that I do. I, I, I've shared the story a couple of times, but, you know, I was a teenager. I, I grew up in Queens, New York, and it was a rough neighborhood at the time. We didn't have a lot of resources and we were struggling at some points. And so I had this opportunity where I was speaking to a lawyer and I asked him, are you hiring? And he said, no, I'm not hiring. I said, listen, I can do whatever. I can file paperwork. I can answer phones. I can make court runs, whatever you need me to do. I can get it done. I finished school at 2 p.m. I was going to high school in Manhattan at the time. I can get to Queens at, at, at this time. And, and I have this amount of hours to give you. He said, I'm really sorry, but we're not hiring. I didn't sleep well that night. I remember it vividly. And I remember the next morning I had a plan. I was going to go to school. I had everything that I was going to talk to this partner at the firm about. I went to school, I, I left, I got to the office and I said, I'm here for an interview. 
I had an interview at three o'clock and the receptionist was, you know, super apologetic. She said, I'm sorry, I don't have anything in the system. I said, look, just maybe you can speak to the partner and, and see if, if maybe he has it on his agenda. So she went in and he came to the front desk and he was shocked. He's like, what, what are you doing here? I said, I'm not hiring. <laughs> I was like, look, I'm here. I made the trip. Just give me, give me a couple minutes and let me talk to you. And I got the job. I, I was hired that day and I did everything at that firm. And again, just being curious, you know, understanding the how and the why behind everything that I did was something that I took with me and, and I still do today. And I even encourage my team today to do the same, whether it's, you know, a logistics coordinator who's writing out documents to ship out. I need them to understand the importance of that, right? How does this piece play into the bigger picture, the mission. I, I want people to feel connected and to understand how they're impacting our, our project, our mission. Right. So whether you're our financial analyst, the logistics coordinator, it's very important for me to really have my team understand the how and the why behind everything we have them working on today. And so it was, I think, an interesting kickstart into my career, just kind of pushing myself, something innate in me just saying, not taking no for an answer and finding creative ways of getting things done. You know what I love about that? And that's really a huge nugget as I'm thinking about is never taking no for an answer. It is so easy for the world around you, a recruiter, an employer, the lawyer, the partner at the company to say no. It takes no effort on their part to say no. But not taking a no for an answer, I think no may might mean, and somebody said this to me once before, no, not now. But <laughs> being curious and not taking no for an answer, I think is a skill that we need to put in our toolkit. If nothing else, if it were a no, then to your point, be curious. Well, what was it that would have maybe helped you to say yes? And not necessarily whether you had a position open, but what are your needs? <laughs> if I had this skill, would this help? You know, under what conditions might you bring me on? Being curious, asking questions, if not for this position, where they unfortunately said no, but then you pushed open the door to force them or enable them to say yes. That's exactly right. And I think on the other side of that, let's say, you know, he would have said no after that meeting. I would have felt much better with myself. I had the opportunity to explain what I brought, what I could bring to the table, what I could do at his firm, what skills I had as a a 14, 15 year old <laughs> trying to, you know, make ends meet and help our family out. I would have been able to sleep better that night because I would have given everything that I had to the table, brought it to the table. And then I think that's important even today. Right. And so that was early on. And, and I've been in, as I mentioned, there's been a lot of ebbs and flows in my career. And I've, I've found that my skills are transferable. And so, you know, while I've I've worked in the finance industry, I've worked in the legal industry, I've worked for the federal government, I've, I've done consulting work for other companies. The skills are always transferable. The skills that I've learned throughout my career are transferable. And, and we see this a lot with executives, right? With cross-industry experience. Robert McNamara, he was the president of Ford. And he then became the secretary of defense and then the president of the World Bank. So, you know, just in, in that, I, I thought he's just, such a, an influential person to, to look at and to follow because this was something we didn't see often, right? If you're in this field, you're in this field for the long haul and that's how you become successful. And that's not really how careers work or how they should work, right? 
what Robert McNamara had is, is what we call, or what I like to call transferable skills or transferable leadership. He was the president here, secretary of defense there, president of the World Bank, all completely different industries, but his skills were transferable. And I think that's important for anyone who's maybe feeling stuck or feeling like, I don't know if this is the right industry that I need to be in. That's not the case. Your skills should be transferable, right? So that's so ironic. I was actually just interviewed on a podcast today and we were talking about having portfolio careers. And it's one of those things to your point about sleeping at night. You know, we can get stuck being in what we've been technically groomed and elevated and rewarded for, but then we we get this thing either in our gut or we just can't sleep at night. Things just are not in alignment. And I've been actually coaching people to say, you know, they'll check themselves out. I can't apply for that other department. I don't have the background. They have so many years experience. How can I get that? And I try also to change the mindset. First of all, one, don't check yourself out of an opportunity. You deserve the opportunity to at least position yourself for the next role. The fact that let's not focus on the specific technical things that we have done in the past. They build on that. But what are those skills that you have that people just say, oh, gee, that was so helpful. You're so good. You train so well. Think about the transferable skills because we shouldn't be stuck. We should have control of our career and take what we're naturally really good at and be in service to many, many, many different groups, teams, or organizations. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So you're an inspiration. So somebody once told me that these pivotal moments are flashpoints in your life. You did not take no for an answer in that first job. And I'm just curious, as you move through your career, what were some other areas where you said, I'm not going to take no, I am going to push myself. I'm going to create that table that I'm going to sit at. I'm going to push that door open. I want to understand where else in your career did you leverage that thing that's burning inside of you to never accept no? I'm trying to think of a, maybe a more recent experience. So in the role that I'm in now, I had no experience in the luxury packaging industry. And a lot of my peers from previous industries have said to me, you know, when, when I left this financial institution, it was one of the largest financial institutions in, in the U.S. They're like, what are you doing? This is, do you know anything about this? And I said, absolutely not. I had the opportunity to meet with the partners of this luxury packaging company. And I said, what are your goals? What's your mission? What are you trying to achieve? And maybe not just achieve, what's your lifestyle brand, I guess, for your company? And, and in having these conversations, you know, there were a couple of things that stood out to me. You know, sustainability was a huge push for them and a couple of other things. And so I remember talking about digital transformation. And, and initially, one of the partners said, yes, but this is not what we need to strive to towards right now. What's important for us are X, Y, and Z. And I said, yes, that's correct. However, hear me out. Digital transformation is extremely relevant to any organization. And, and what we see in the past decade or so is how we now interface with digital technology in all areas of business and the fundamental changes it creates and how the business operates and how we deliver value to our customers. And so I went in with this pusher, with this digital transformation initiative. And I said, if you just hear me out, let me lay this out for you. I think there's a huge opportunity for your organization. And that goes back to what, you, or what we're talking about, right? Not taking no for an answer. So I was able to talk through some of that. And, 
you know, obviously sustainability is extremely important and, and for many reasons, right? Just for generations ahead to be able to have a livable space for them. And, and it's not an easy task achieving being at a sustainable mindset or being at a sustainable level for an organization because it requires a shift in in thought, in lifestyle, right? I always make the joke, you know, if you want to get in shape, you don't just go to the gym for eight hours and then you you come home with abs. It needs to be a, a shift in your thought process. You need to enjoy it. You need to understand it. Maybe just 20 minutes a day, 30 minutes a day, and then it just becomes part of you and you don't measure it anymore. It's just who you are. And that's how I think sustainability needs to be viewed. And so with this organization, I was able to talk about, you know, I hear what, what the issues are here. And so the drive was to make sure that we are partnering with the right suppliers, are grabbing the right resources, producing less paper when we're creating boxes and packaging. And also after COVID, we all saw a huge shift, right? There was a huge shift in supply chain, lots of delays. There were clients who were really frightened, right? Because this is the bread and butter of their business. And I said, if we're able to bring in this digital transformation, and, and I'll give some details without giving too many, obviously, but we're able to change some of our platforms and connect some of this data so we can really interpret these metrics and do something with it. Here's how we will improve. And that's what we've been doing, right? So sustainability, digital transformation, they've worked hand in hand. And again, that's just kind of not accepting no for an answer, giving something else, allowing people to live in your brain for a couple of minutes so they can understand your process and your perspective. It's an art or a dance, as I like to call it, that's really important in speaking to someone or to a group and having them understand your vision and how it can impact an organization. Giovanna, there are so many actionable tips in that. I don't know if you realize by sharing your story that there's so much people can learn from you and be inspired again. People may be very good. They'll go for a job interview and say, I don't know anything about this particular company and may not show up as their best self. They may just say, you know, here's what I've done. Here's the metrics I've done. But what you strove for was, I believe, starting a conversation to your point earlier about being curious. You wanted to own the conversation rather than saying, tell us about yourself. Or when was there a time that you had a challenge and how did you get through it? You, while those are typical interview questions or for people to get to know you, you said, I'm going to own the conversation. I'm going to ask the questions. They're going to present their view. And then you say, I get you, acknowledgement, acknowledge the other people if different. But what you did is then you took them to your side. Being your own thought leader, again, you know nothing about this industry, but you have clear vision of the greater picture. And sometimes you need to help senior leaders. They sometimes get caught in the weeds. They're down in the forest. They can't see the bigger picture. And what you shared with them is maybe the digital transformation is simply an enabler to get to that outcome. You've got common ground. Sustainability is critical to the company. But let's talk about how we can get you there. You became a thinking partner with them versus somebody that's just trying to get in the door that has no experience, transferable skills. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And, and I've only been in that industry maybe a little over a year. And what I think you'll find in this, let's call it a mindset shift or something, when, when you're really trying to understand the how and the why, you're trying to solve one problem. And then 
you solve many others. And, and that's what we've seen and what I've seen and what the organization and our partners have seen in this industry where, you know, we came in here trying to, you know, drive the sustainability push and, and we've solved for that. And we will continue to solve for that and, and improve that. But what has happened along the way? We are now allowing our, our clients to be in the driver's seat and be very much a project of their project life cycle. That's key for any customer, if you will, to really be a part of their process and understand where their products are and maybe shorten that life cycle. You know, we've been able to create a lot more efficiencies and automation just through this digital transformation. And that was my initiative from the beginning, right? My initiative and my goal was to find a fix here. But then again, we were able to have so many other solves along the way. So, you know, something to keep in mind, you know, as you're taking in any project or new implementation, new mission, whatever it is, when you see at the end of, of, of that, you're able to see all the other things that you've accomplished. That's a big deal. Yeah, we never give ourselves credit. We never look back. We always look up this mountain and say, how am I going to get there? Do I have the right skills? Do I have the right mindset? I Can I do this? But like, look behind you. Oh my, <laughs> there are people and places and things that you've done or impacted that we just don't give ourselves enough credit for. Now, you have such a can-do attitude. And I do want to go back to your origins. But one of the things, and again, this is, you make it look easy. Some people tell me all the stuff that I do, I make it look easy. But along the way, I want to understand, was there ever a time where I know what I'm made of, but you might have hit a moment where you weren't sure about your efforts, reevaluating yourself, but then maybe taking a lesson and then surging forward. So let's just go to any pivotal moments in your career where maybe things didn't turn out exactly the way you had hoped. Absolutely. Just to go back to college, right? If, if there's anyone that's listening to this that's in school now and they're like, I don't know what I want to do with myself. I was that person. I worked in, in one field. I was studying medicine, but I was also working full time. And they wanted me to quit so that I can do clinical rotations in school while I was studying medicine. And that wasn't an option for me. I needed to pay for tuition and pay for rent and help siblings and family. And it, it wasn't an option. It was off the table. So I shifted. And instead of quitting or doing something that, you know, would have been fast money, I said, what can I do now to, to get out of school quickly and really make use of my skills? And so I went from studying medicine to being in law and now in finance. And so I've really been across the board in terms of industry. And I've found that in my career, you know, I, I won't give names, but we in finance, I had a software implementation project. And, you know, this is a large institution and the system that we were using just wasn't working. And I kept trying to make the system work for us, you know, through reporting and through some changes in control and through working with team members who, you know, I would say, this is what I wanted to do for me. Can you make it do X, Y, and Z on the back end, changing some coding? And after about 12 months of that, it wasn't working. And I kept hitting dead ends. And we hit a wall and, and then we say, where do we go from here? And then it's just a re-strategy from a re-strategy, a re-strategy. And it's, it wasn't conducive to the business. And that's when you have to really stop what you're doing. Stop trying to fix, fix, fix. Take a step back and say, I hate using the word think outside of the box, but that's really what, what we needed to do. I need to stop using this software as a platform for our fixes and pretend we didn't even have this software. Let me really go back or go and view the forest instead of just that tree, right? And see how can we improve. And with that, you know, many failures within those in that 12-month period, afterwards there was a, a shift. And 
And that's when we start thinking about new solutions and new softwares and CapEx projects. And now we need funding and now we need to convince people, you know, here's the value add and here's what we can do and here's what we should be doing and here's what it would do for the organization, you know, over time. You know, so there were definitely some roadblocks, but just pausing and taking a step back and reevaluating, not just trying to find short-term fixes and just band-aids over issues, but really finding a long-term solution, a long-term sustainable solution for the organization was key. So you're truly inspirational. You're just a go-getter. And I see a lot of myself, we try to do everything. Again, whether it's in your DNA or perhaps you were put into a situation where you had to go to school, work, help out, et cetera. I, I empathize with you because I did a lot of that as well. With all of that, you're still a very much high performer. You have a lot of responsibility to your company and to your team. You've also had the good fortune also to have a partner, start a family, et cetera. Sometimes us high performers need to, as you say, slow down in our personal life. And I'm just curious for you, how do you manage your energy such that you can be not only to yourself, but to others as well? Yeah, that's the really great question, Deb, because I think I'm still trying to learn the right way to do that. It's not always easy. We've seen a shift for women throughout time where we went from being a, a housewife to doing both, right? When the men went off to war, then the, the women were taking care of the house and also working. And, and then as, as rights and opportunities opened up for us women, you know, we, we had a lot more on our plate. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just takes some reshifting of priorities. And I think for me, what I had to do, you know, even recently with young children is take a step back and say, I cannot give 100% of myself to everything, to work, to my children, to my husband, to my household, to my family. My family, they come from South America. So a lot of them are sad Spanish speaking. And I've been the personal assistant to almost everyone from doctor's appointments to calling insurance companies, to booking flights, to whatever it is, because you know I have that language skill that has helped. And so I had to take a step back and say, it's okay to give 50% here and 80% here. And, and that's very difficult for me. And so I'm still managing that. But you know, there, there's a book called Drop the Ball. And I read this book maybe 10 years ago, and it was really life-changing for me. And I realized that you cannot juggle all of these balls at the same time. It's just not feasible. You will have to drop a ball to make sure that you're still able to juggle the rest. And that's okay. So, you know, it's still tough, right, to wrap your head around it when you're just always on this go, go, go mentality, but it's feasible. So yeah, just take a step back, take a deep breath and know that it's okay to, to not give 100% of yourself to, to everything all the time. Hey, I sincerely appreciate this. And I'm smiling a little bit to my story because again, I had the good fortune married to my best friend. We chose to have three children. Or once we got to two, we realized we needed help. We both had careers. We then went in and hired a nanny. Then we had a third child. Then we were overruled <laughs> because there was more of them than us. And then you'd start feeling the guilt like, oh, I can't make that sporting event. But always somebody was there from the family, if not yourself. We at least ensured that the collective operation of our team, Cobiello, <laughs> continued to operate. And even as recent as now, as most of my kids are out of the nest right now, my husband and I have the good fortune of being so busy right now. I was even considering those home delivery meal prep services because I pride myself in making homemade meals, 
And I just couldn't keep up with the client work, et cetera. And I didn't want to eat unhealthy. Now, mind you, we're in balance again. <laughs> I don't have to do that. But occasionally my husband will order salads, bring them in. We're still eating healthy. I just can't do it all. And you have to be okay with that. That's exactly right. I joked that, you know, we should do this every Saturday because this is the first Saturday in a long time that I have a quiet household and I was able to kick the husband and the kids out and even the dog. But that goes to what you said, right? Just having a supportive partner on your team, on your side, who's able to say, yes, let me take this on for you now so that you can go and do X. And that's important. The same thing with your team. I mean, your team will also see at times, I've had my teams come to me and say, you look stressed, Steph. <laughs> can I help? And when they do that, they too are starting to rise as a leader, realize when team members are stressed, they too may become the leaders that you want them to be. You know, I love that you just said that, Deb, because what I hear is that your team trusts you and they value you and you have a different relationship for them to even come to you and say, how can I help? Or how are you feeling? Or That's very important. And I try to really foster that. You know, I've worked with some CEOs in the past and, and even for myself, I try to, to foster this environment where you create a safe space for your employees to perform. And what does that mean performing? Is it Does it mean, you know, meeting a sales quota at the end of the year? That's nice, but let's look beyond that, right? Creating a safe space for them to fail, to succeed. If, if you don't allow your team to fail, they are not going to perform. They're going to be scared to be creative and, and think about things differently. And that's important. I really foster that now with my team and with the organization that I'm in now. I, I want there to be this synergy, this harmony. I want to trust you and I want you to trust me. Instead of getting upset with an employee because they didn't meet, what can I do for you? I, I see that you're struggling here. What can we do to kind of bring you up to speed or help you connect the dots? Again, understanding that you're a part of something bigger. And that's key, I think, in any organization or for any C level executive. I really encourage people to, to foster that and, and make that part of your culture. Trust, creating a safe space for your employees. You know, you're not just valuing yourself and how much you make, you're way more than that, right? You, you are a part of something larger. What you contribute here is so much more than the paycheck that you receive every two weeks. And so, you know, it's interesting that you said that and it makes me happy to hear that because obviously, you know, it's, it's not something that we find in every organization and, and we should, we really should. So when I think about just listening to you and your story, and again, I have never asked you how old you are. You are, it doesn't matter, but you are accomplished not only in technically what you've done, but that maturity of thought as a leader to know, to look at the bigger picture and try to close those gaps. It's really inspirational. I just want any C-suite leader that is listening to this conversation to just realize the next generation is ready to be in the C-suite. They have the right mindset. At, to your point, need to give them a safe space, a little bit of mentorship to make sure we continue to cheer them on. You grew up in a different generation than me, but you still have core values. You just want to be given an opportunity, one, to not accept no, <laughs> to push that door open, to have a conversation to get people to think differently. I value it. I have a lot of younger people working for me. They are so smart and I sincerely appreciate their thoughts and feedback into the future leaders, future C-suite leaders that are coming up. Just know you have a voice. 
Giovanna is one of those that just doesn't take no for an answer. And I really would want people to look at her LinkedIn profile, reach out to her because you're here to elevate the next generation of leaders. So Giovanna, any last thoughts that you want to share with us before we bring it to a close? I would just say, have a a giver mentality versus a taker, because if you are a, an analyst or a CEO, that mindset that is going to really open a lot of doors for you. Giver versus taker. What can I give you my team? What can I give you organization to really get us to a better place instead of what can you give me, right? Can I have more money? Can I get that raise? Can I get this title? If you have this shift in thought, right? This giver versus taker mentality, I think that's really going to be useful for you for the rest of your life and anything you do, right? In your personal relationships, not just your business relationships and how you communicate with others. It's something that I, I learned and I would definitely give that piece of advice to any up and coming leader or C-level executive. It's really helpful. It's a great ending to our conversation, being a giver versus a taker. It may be a long time before you see those rewards versus being a taker. But I sincerely believe in the long run, it is going to make a difference in how you serve and you as well reaping the benefits of being a giver versus a taker. You've been an amazing guest, Giovanna. Thank you so much. I do wish you continued success. And I really appreciate you having this very inspiring conversation. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for your time. And it's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership navigate rapid transformation and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.